All right. All right. All right. We are back for another podcast episode. And y'all, I have had so many amazing guests on this podcast. I am truly blessed of so many parents and professionals and autistic individuals willing to come on this podcast and share their experience, their knowledge. And it's just truly such an honor. And I still love talking with y'all one-on-one. So what I'm trying to do is have at least one episode per month. That's just you and I hanging out. What we're going to talk about today is the three, yes, three key mindset shifts that I think that you need as a parent of an autistic child. Welcome to a parenting space actually designed for you, where you can get answers about navigating a life that includes autism. I'm Dr. Tay, a licensed child psychologist and parental coach specializing in neurodivergent affirming care. I have supported hundreds of autistic children and their families and have been in the autism field for over a decade. And I know firsthand the impact autism can have. I was 12 years old when my little brother was diagnosed and my family had to learn how to navigate the autism journey. It wasn't always easy. Two decades later, I now create resources and services I wish my family had, including this podcast. And I developed the whole family approach. On this podcast, of course, we will talk about autism, but we will also talk about your personal growth and well being as a parent, supporting your non autistic children, and sharing personal stories of other families so you know you're not alone. Quick disclaimer before we jump into today's episode. Anything shared on this podcast should not be considered clinical advice, and you should consult with your team of medical, mental health, and developmental providers if you need support. So let's kick this off. I'm going to tell you right off the bat what they are is number one, I think is accepting and embracing this trial and error mindset that you are going to make mistakes and that through those mistakes, you're going to really learn how to optimize things. And yes, there are things that can expedite that progress, but some of it is trial and error and that there is time that is necessary. Mindset number two is letting go of the pressure though, that you need to have everything figured out. And yes, it relates to the trial and error, but it's also about embracing that you don't need to have all your shit together all the time. That again, mistakes are going to happen, but it's more of a proactive piece of just saying, listen, I'm not going to figure this all out and that is okay. And I'm going to learn alongside my child. So I think that is mindset number two. And mindset number three is understanding that our world is based on neurotypical standards. And it really comes down to letting those neurotypical standards down. So you really can start to see the strengths and the gifts that your child has. Yes, your child still has a disability and At the same point, that disability doesn't have to be this story of doom and gloom, that it truly can be, okay, they have areas, they have support needs. Those support needs are more than neurotypical children, but they're still a child, they're still a human, and really leaning into this journey with them. So let's dive into all of this on this podcast episode. Number one. Trial and error. What do I mean by that? Is that ultimately it's so easy to go into parenting wanting to have all these quick fixes, having going to a professional and being like, hey, just tell me what to do. And this is something when I work with parents in a one to one capacity or in a group therapy setting and approach, that I'm laying this out there right from the get go is yes, we are still going to use trial and error as part of this process. And that 
that is because your autistic child has things that are going to work for them and your autistic child has things that aren't going to work for them. And so we ultimately have to be able to tailor and figure out what that formula is. Now, by engaging in therapeutic support services or something of that nature, you can figure it out sooner. I often find that therapy expedites the process, but it doesn't take away this aspect of trial and error. And I think that is incredibly important to keep in mind. I think that if you go into therapy with this mindset of looking for some magical solution, you're going to be highly disappointed. And that is not because as therapists, we don't know. I promise you any therapist that says, oh yeah, I'm going to tell you exactly what to do. We got this all figured out. Yeah, that's not true. And they're not being honest with you. They're just trying to sell you into working with them. So I'm being really candid. And yeah, we are going to use trial and error. For example, I have a family right now in group therapy that the children, there's two autistic children, they're having slip, sleep difficulties. And we are having to look at the data. I'm literally saying to the parent, I need you to track all of this. Okay, here's the pattern I noticed. Can you go and try that? And no, it's not like... I all of a sudden can see the data and create this like huge impact. However, the data is really allowing us then to be able to get to that answer sooner because it's driven by the data. The solution lies within that data, but there is still trial and error. Sometimes we don't know if that's the real underlying cause until we shift something and we change something. So coming at it from this trial and error mindset, I think is a really important one that is ultimately going to allow you to number one, recognize that this is a journey and it is a process. And number two, I think it's going to let you feel and experience less guilt, less shame, and less disappointment when there isn't some magical solution. So that is number one. Like I said, number two does absolutely relate to this, but it's this idea that you don't need to have everything figured out. So the trial and error piece is more on the child side. The you're not having to figure everything out. You're not going to know everything is on your side, right? That's something you really own. And again, you still have to embrace the mindset of trial and error for it to be successful. And so you're not disappointed, but at the same time, also being aware that you don't need to figure out, have everything figured out. What that also means is you are going going to make mistakes in this. You're going to be like, oh yeah, that didn't feel good. Or, oh yeah, that really didn't work. And that doesn't mean you're doing a bad job as a parent. I think that often I find parents are afraid that if they don't figure it out, that there's something inherently wrong with them as a parent, that that then defines them as a bad parent. And it couldn't be further from the truth. The fact that you're willing to make a mistake and keep going tells me that you are a good parent. The fact that you can feel that disappointment and still pick yourself up tells me that you're human too. So by being an autism parent doesn't necessarily give you some special gifts. This is part of the parenting journey. And I think by nature, one of the facts is your child being autistic and having this disability does sometimes make it inherently harder. That's just the reality. That inherent kind of challenge then makes you feel like you need to figure it out even more. 
And so letting it go that you don't have to have everything figured out. And this was something actually in group therapy that I recently chatted through with a parent that it's not their job. And I think it almost surprise them a little bit to hear, yeah, you're going to make mistakes and that's okay to make mistakes. Can you give yourself permission to make those mistakes? And it was like, the parent was like, wow, I really am not giving myself permission. I just feel like I have to figure it all out all the time. And so that is, again, it connects back to point number one. But I think with that is it's really embracing that you are human that you have imperfection, that it's okay to have all of these things, that you're going to have emotions, that you're going to misstep, that you're going to make a mistake. And it's how you respond to those. And if we hold ourselves to such a high standard, we sometimes get, we stay down longer because we feel like it's this huge, massive failure versus if we can embrace that, yeah, we're going to make a mistake. It's easier a lot of times to bounce back. And I can speak, as y'all know, I am not a parent of an autistic child. I'm not even a parent yet, but I can speak to this idea of perfectionism and thinking of how much it's held me back in life. And so I think sometimes too, it can hold you back from making decisions about your own life and your children's lives and your family's lives and not ultimately serve you. So that is mindset shift number two. And mindset shift number three, you hear me talk about time and time again, but it takes intentionality to recognize and call this out that we live in this neurotypical world. And what's going to happen is you are going to have things pop up where it's going to feel disappointing. You're going to feel guilt and shame over it. You're going to feel like you so desperately want your child to be like that. And again, I don't think it's about trying to completely erase those things from popping up. You're human. I think this is what we forget in all of this is when we become adults, we forget that we're human first. And I find that working with a lot of parents that they forget that they're human as well. They go into this parenting world like they have to figure it all out, that they have to have all the solutions that, yeah, because I'm I'm the parent, like I'm the one in charge. So who else is going to figure it out? But I also think this goes back actually real quick to the first point, by making mistakes, you're really the first and the second point, um, by making mistakes, you're modeling to your child that it is okay to make mistakes. And what they're going to learn from that is how you respond to that. And I think that truly is the beauty and all of this. But so you're going to have these like slip ups, you're going to have these stuck points where you're going to want your child to adhere to these neurotypical standards. Your response is incredibly important in this. You can choose to stay there and you might even do this unintentionally. You might not realize that you're staying there. That doesn't serve you as a parent and it sure as hell doesn't serve your child either because it's not fair to them, right? So it's about calling yourself out of, ooh, okay, yep, yep, that's a neurotypical standard. Yeah, my child's on a different journey. That's okay. My child's on a different journey. The power of yet, I have a whole episode on that. They're not there yet, and that's okay. But how do you acknowledge and really go through this acceptance process? Real quick, just a brief interruption, because I want you to know you don't have to navigate this journey alone. If you're in a place where you have concerns about your child's development, you've been on the search for a therapist that provides evidence-informed neurodivergent affirming care, or you're needing more support as a parent, the whole family approach may be a good fit for you. 
Autism doesn't just impact your child's life, so you deserve care that works for your child and your whole family. Head to the link in the show notes to schedule a complimentary call where we can chat about your unique circumstances. We can help you decide if Dr. Tay concierge clinical care would be a good fit for your family. And if not, we will provide you resources for your next best steps. And I think not only is it this reactive thing that it up, I make a slip up and I need to name it and face it and shift my mindset around it. But I also think there's a lot of work that has to be done in this proactive approach as well of recognizing, yeah, your child isn't going to hit necessarily. They could, but they might not hit these quote unquote, like milestones. They might not learn in the same way. I often find for autistic children, they learn. I almost think of it like steps, right? Where there's a big gain, they shoot up to that next step, but then there's this plateau. Then they shoot up to this next step, then there's this plateau. Shoot up to this next step, and there's this plateau. And neurotypical children often learn on this kind of just slight upward trajectory. They're constantly gaining and having skills evolve. And your autistic child is doing that. It's just sometimes harder to see. And this plateau can feel like a very negative experience of, oh gosh, like sometimes I've even seen parents go, they're regressing. They don't have this. And it's, they're just, they're taking their time. Sometimes for autistic children, they learn in different ways and they, it might take more trials and it's crazy. I remember crazy in the sense of what can happen when you're patient enough. I have a autistic two, three-year-old and we've been working on pointing for a long time and not in this way. I want to be loud and clear, not in this way that this child has to point, but rather modeling without expectation of helping to increase that communication. And there are other ways that this child would express um, their needs in all of this. And those were absolutely honored. And that's the thing. This is part of the learning journey too. You can model without expectation. You also can make other forms of communication valid as well. And at the same point, work on skills and work on skill development. But it, it just seems, is this child going to point? And yes, this child's a gestalt language processor. We actually know that pointing doesn't usually develop until around stage three, when they start to see single words as like meaningful in the, in and of themselves. And so there was this process and this underlying journey that had to happen. And that was actually a really long one. This child too, there were other things that sometimes it would see like spoken language wise. Oh, okay. Yep. They've leveled off. What does that mean? Does that mean this is where their language is going to be forever? And as long as the parents remained patient and we kept talking about it and kept modeling without expectation, kept providing the right supports, guess what? The child would jump up. All of a sudden, there'd be a, a language burst. And this might not be your child's journey, and that's okay. But some of it is recognizing that these quote-unquote plateaus, your child is learning and growing in those. It just looks different than neurotypical standards. And so I think that's some of the proactive piece that also has to happen is it is about education, but it's also, it's not just about the facts that you can learn. It's thinking about how does this idea of neurodiversity apply to my child? How can I actually 
truly begin to accept that, yes, they're different and that's okay. And not secretly then hoping that maybe one day they'll look more neurotypical. And listen, again, we live in such a neurotypical world that sometimes, again, that seek, how many times can I say again, that secret desire is going to pop up and it might not even be intentional. And it's about naming that and realizing, yeah, my child is on their own journey and it's not going to look exactly the same. And I can be okay with that because guess what? Here's why I can be okay with it. My child is happy. My child is thriving. My child is loved. My child is finding so much joy in in the way in which he or she learns, in the way in which he or she experiences life. There's actually a really big account that I recently, I think I've been following for a while, but recently started engaging more with it. I'll just, I'll just say it's finding Cooper's voice. And on this, she was talking about, she's tried all of these different strategies. I believe Cooper is 13, non-speaking. She'll describe it as nonverbal severe autism. But anyway, tried so many different ways of AAC, gestures, the spell to communicate, all these different forms of communicational supports and nothing's quite clicked. And then she got her son a cell phone so that he could begin texting. And she said, I even questioned, was this right? And I thought this was such a beautiful post. And you know what? Her son started texting her and other family members words, like full on words. And I want to say one of them, literally the word was galvanized. This Cooper typed the word, I think it was maybe galvanized metal. I don't remember the exact context. And what would happen, the mom showed screenshots of this. And the mom then would respond back with different gifts in response to that. And it it became a full-blown conversation. It was truly amazing. And Cooper is finding so much joy in this, right? And so this is a great example that if you hold your child to neurotypical standards, you could miss the joy in this. Oh, but I wish they would just text me more. No, Cooper is loving this. And I absolutely love how this parent embraced this because this mom just joined in. I actually, too, another example of this, it was an adult, but I found a video on TikTok or really my assistant found it and was like, you need to stitch this and talk about I think the quote on screen was something like ADHD slash autistics making small talk and ended up stitching it. It will be posted by the time this episode airs if you want to go try to scroll my TikTok. But basically my whole point, it was a conversation about Krispy Kreme donuts and the person responded in this really awkward way. Yeah, if we look at neurotypical standards and we're responding and expecting it to go a certain way, No, you're not going to end up engaging that person. But also this person that is introducing Krispy Kreme donuts because it's really exciting. And so I gave some language of like, how can you keep having this conversation? How can you keep leaning into it? So this is, these are examples of letting go of these neurotypical standards and really how you can enter your autistic child's world to really connect with them and notice their joys and passions. All right, y'all. That's all for this episode. I think these are, I hope these hit home for you. I hope these were a self-check of, okay, do I have these key mindset shifts? Have I gone through this journey? And listen, if you're like, no, I've gone through none of this. 
okay, this is your starting point. There's no shame in that. You now know one of the biggest pieces of change. I would say a key ingredient is you have to be aware first. And now you're aware of what some of these key shifts are and you can begin to make them. Now, if you are a parent who's been on this journey for a while and you've really been working on how you're thinking about autism and how you're working through all of this and what expectations you have and starting to let those drop, you might be like, yeah, I do all of these. How can you go deeper? Because what I will tell you about self-growth and personal development is there's always more layers that you can peel back. It's really interesting. One quick story about myself. I got an email from TikTok saying a video from two years ago. And it was all about, it was this, it was like when dancing on TikTok was much better. And it was like a voiceover. And But the text on screen was basically like, when you learn to like embrace and fully embrace yourself and accept it and love yourself for who you are. And listen, two years ago, I felt so confident. And that was, I was on the top of the world. And guess what? At some points, my world came crashing back down because things got hard again. And why they got hard again wasn't because I regressed. It was because I actually progressed, right? Hear that again. It wasn't because I regressed that things got hard. It was because I progressed progressed and I made progress. And some of that progress means that things got hard again, because I had to go on another level of this healing journey. I had to keep pulling back the onions of the layer. And that version of Taylor did not know this version of Taylor, right? It's crazy. Like, I'm a different person. And I felt so confident back then. And I had made so much progress and I, I really did love myself, but I can say truthfully today, I love myself even more. And so I want you to hear that, that this self-growth journey means continually peeling back layers of an onion. It's never going to end. And so use this episode as an indicator to keep diving. All right, y'all. That's a wrap for today's episode. Next episode, I'll be back with some amazing guests. P.S. Two P.S.'s real quick. Okay. Number one, If you have anyone you want me to have on the podcast, an interview, and you want to learn more from them, social media is amazing, but I feel like podcast long form content, you can learn so much in a short packed, short jam amount of time, anywhere from 20 to 60 minutes are my podcast episodes. Um, But let me know if you have ideas for guests. I'm always happy to reach out to people and Y'all, at this point, I'm not shy. I will approach these huge accounts and say, hey, you want to come on the podcast? Worst that they tell me is no, or the worst that happens is they ignore me. So what? But I've had some amazing uh, guests. Like it truly blows my mind, some of the people that I've had on this podcast. So yeah, there is that. And the other thing is what means the world to me is if you do find value out of this podcast, I don't actually say this enough. Leaving a five-star review is, I hope it's a five-star. I feel confident it is if you're coming back episode after episode. Although I will say I had a parent that I was chatting with in DMs the other day that was like, here's an episode I really loved. And here's one that I felt like missed the mark. And I'm like, okay, tell me, I want to learn. I want to keep making this better and better for y'all. But anyway, if you know, this is resonating with you, leaving a five-star review or any review for that matter. If you want to give me feedback of how this can improve, I really am open to that, but that helps to push this out to other people in particular, five-star reviews do because what, you know, Apple and Spotify and other platforms you might listen to this do is they're like, 
okay, people are liking this. Let's share it with more people. If other parents are listening to podcasts about autism, it's going to help to drive this. That's how the algorithm works. So I'd be so appreciative. And I guess I said two things, but I'll just wrap this up. If you are looking for more support in making these mindset shifts, sometimes it's easy to listen to an episode, but you feel stuck. You need someone to actually hold up a mirror for you. This is totally the type of work I do. Yes, we're going to talk about your child, but this is part of the whole family approach. We're also going to talk about you. And I think this blew away the people that are in group therapy right now. I I remember one mom saying, I didn't expect getting on here today. And I didn't sign up thinking that this would be a way for me to grow too. And she did mean it in a really good way that some of these really impacted her child. And that's the thing. We have conversations at a much deeper level and in a really specific application to you inside my group therapy program. So if you are interested um, in the show notes, you can schedule a free consult call with me or you're welcome to DM or email me and ask me more about group and we can have that conversation or Now that I'm thinking about when this might air, my website might be, I've been revamping my website. If it is, I will either way, I'll link my show notes or I'll link my website in the show notes. But if by the time my revamped website is up and running, I'll actually link the, to the specific page that group that describes what group therapy is. And you can learn more, but I hope to connect with you, but thank you for being here. I appreciate you and I will be back for another solo episode so you and I can just have some conversations like this. That's a wrap. Okay, bye. Before we wrap up this episode, for real this time, I want to share a couple ways you can get even more value and what your next steps could be. First, join the Evolve Facebook group. We do Q&As about the episodes and so much more. I linked that group, my personal social media pages, and any resources I mentioned in this episode in the show notes. So scroll down now and join me online. When you submit questions on any of my pages, your question could be featured on this podcast. How cool is that? I love being able to speak on topics that feel directly relevant to your life. Your questions truly make a difference in the content we create here. One last thing, do your fellow autism parents a favor. Share this episode on your social media and tag me. Autism currently affects one in 36 families in the United States and many more worldwide. So I'm sure there is a parent in your social media followers that could be served by this podcast. Thank you again for being here. And I'm so grateful we shared this time together. Bye y'all.